Hello everyone, this is Trevor with Tea Time Reports. I'm joined here by Rush and Caden, and we're going to be doing a nice USFL coverage episode uh, covering uh, re-signings for the clubs, um, new uh, USFL players going to the NFL, um, as well as just overall league news and um, some of the uh, former USFL player performances in the preseason of the NFL so far has been pretty impactful, so I just want to shout out some guys in that regard like Austin Watkins Jr. for the Browns going absolutely fucking dumb. Um, Especially on that Eagles. I know the Eagles wasn't the Eagles' first team out there, but the Eagles' second team and the Eagles' third team, those those are fucking good players still. Like, It's it's a, a well-known fact that the Eagles have multiple first teams. You know what I mean? So it's even if it was our second team, I, 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 that's still and a hard th- defense. And three quarters... In, in three quarters, he was able to have seven catches, 134 yards, and a touchdown. Now, you know, it is the big question. It is just preseason. But he's gotten he's better he's every week. undoubtedly getting re-signed. And he's looking at possibly winning a starting job here. He I think so. Up. And, uh, you know, I really want, want to see what he can do in regular season. If he can keep up this pace in regular season, prove that he's a, a top-tier uh, wide receiver, that's... That's something crazy. Get some crazy talent out of out of USL. USL, yeah, no, for real. I mean, um, and honestly, you know, I know Amari Cooper. He's a sure lock on that offense. But I think as of right now, I haven't seen any other Browns receiver put up any kind of performance like uh, Austin Watkins Jr. has this per- preseason. So I think that kind of speaks wonders. He's making circus catches, acrobatic catches, sure-handed, smart possession catches. Very aware with his body. He just looks like a starter. Um, as well as a former 2022 uh, USFL champion, um, cornerback, former cornerback for the Birmingham Stallions. He got a pick for the Ravens against Jacoby Brissett uh, last week. Uh, well, actually, this past weekend. Um, so shout out to him. Also shout out to Levi Bell, who is making a name for himself in the Seahawks defense. Big guy, you know, kind of like a guy you didn't really expect to get to the NFL because he's a little slow. Mm-hmm. But dude, this dude is in form. Like and he's gonna he's gonna be a he's gonna be a monster like edge rusher. He could be like that James Houston esque like third down um, edge rusher mm. for the Seahawks in my opinion. Like yeah, in in regular season, bro, because he he actually is like one of the highest PFF graded players on their defense right now. Don't, don't they have another uh, USL player? Oh uh, yeah, Jordan Ferguson who signed a three year deal with them, two point nice. six million dollar. Um, but he got a sack as well, right? Yeah, he did. They both got back-to-back sacks. Mm. Um, so special there, definitely. No, there is, for sure. Um, but I guess moving forward here, I just wanted to talk about some of the signings that have gone to the uh, USFL from to the NFL. Apologies for that little cut there, but uh, Brandon joined us, so shout-out to Brandon for coming in there. Um, but moving forward to what I was uh, talking about before, we were... Getting into some of the more recent signings from the USFL to the NFL. Um, defensive back from the Memphis Showboats, Namaya Shelton, signed to the Jets for a three-year $2.6 million deal. Really good to see that. Um, he was th- That defense overall in Memphis was really good last year. They just did not have the offense to complement them. Um, but they did have good secondary players, and it obviously proves it that the Jets, a team that's going to be in contention this year, signed a guy that wasn't even in the draft to a you know, multi-million dollar deal out of the USFL. There's been a lot of that, actually. Did Tarpley um, get signed? Uh, Tarpley, no. Oh. No, he re-signed with the Maulers, oh. actually. Um, but, and then moving forward to another um, 
signing uh, offensive lineman. I think he's a tackle, but he played a lot of guard. Braylon Jones signed with the uh, Arizona Cardinals. This guy played for the Houston Gamblers. They had a pretty real. They had a pretty good offensive line when it come to when it came to run blocking. Uh, they had a really good rush attack, but their quarterback situation kind of limited them. So we didn't get to see them in the promise the promised land of the uh, championship game or anything like that. But it's pretty good to see some of the bigger guys, you know, get a shot as well. Um, another like skill position player that got signed, uh, DJ Montgomery, was signed to the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, he played for the Michigan Panthers, and we didn't get to see a lot of him. But um, I'm sure that that was just talent they had in the building that just really impressed at a tryout or something like that. Um, and then the most recent signing, <clears throat> excuse the music, um, is the Michigan Pan- former Michigan Panthers linebacker Deshaun White signed to the Buffalo Bills. His contract information hasn't been uh, disclosed yet, but uh, another really good linebacker, actually, that played next to Frank Ginda, and now it shows you that both of those linebackers are in the NFL now, so that defense really had something special going for him. Um, now it's going to be interesting to see them kind of put those pieces back together. Uh, they, they definitely lost a lot of talent this offseason, um, but some critical re-signings, and Caden, I'll definitely have you touch up on, on these guys, because Chris Orr already re-signed, but... Uh, Colin Hill and Bryson Young, both linebackers for the New Jersey Generals, re-signed. So all three of their starting linebackers yeah. are back, and they had you know a really solid yeah. defensive season. They've been especially, good especially two years in a row. As well, yeah. What are your thoughts on those re-signings there? I mean, they were able to put up one hell of a fight against the the Stars, and that's just a hard thing to do as well to just contain their, their entire offense like that. And it seems like every single time they played, it wasn't the defense's fault that they were losing. You know what I mean? It was always just blunders from the offense, not scoring on drives where it was must-score drives, and just honestly, just um, shortcomings. Yeah, you know? kind of the kind of the, the the story of the entire season for them. But that's 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 not a shortcoming they ever signed those all those linebackers. They resigned actually every starting defensive player on their defense. Ooh. So everyone is, re- is is returning for the Generals on that Chris side Orr's of the ball. A monster he is. I, I've always liked him just his last name as well. And since came to be a baller. Since Kawa Tizino and Frank Ginda are not in the league anymore, he immediately is the best linebacker in the league now. He was third two years in a row on every stat sheet that the linebackers could have, especially in tackles, but he missed two games and was still in third place for tackles last year. Absolutely. Like that's yeah. like that's a beast. That's they only have ten games to do that. Like hmm. he, he's always around the ball. One of my favorite players in this league, and he has his two right and left hand men like to help him. You know, and I, I fuck with that. Um, but another re-signing for my favorite team in this league, um, offensive center. Like he's a center, obviously. I don't know why I put OC, but Mike Damper uh, resigned to the uh, uh, Pittsburgh Maulers. Excuse me. Um, their O line was pretty pretty decent. When it had to be, but it definitely struggled on the tackle locations. Like, we couldn't really pass protect. <laughs> so, Troy Williams was kind of either running to the perimeter or we would have like a really abysmal like rush attack. Don't get me wrong, I love Garrett Groshek and Madre London, but they, they would fall forward for like four or five yards. They wouldn't really be able to like yeah. have a clean gap to run through. No, I feel like they would just get, especially Madre London, gets stuffed at line a lot of times. Yeah, every he actually. Time, every single time I watched him play, I wanted him to do something cool because he had a, a cool ass name. And fun just, fact: every single time he was, he, he got handed the ball, stuffed to the line. Fun fact about Madre London: um, after this year, he played for the Maulers and he's resigned, <clears throat> but he uh, only has one touchdown in two years. And before it was like week ten, last year, 
that he that he got the touchdown. But before that, he was the uh, highest, like the running back with the highest amount of touches without a touchdown in the league. I'm glad that he broke that. Yeah. But um, I'm glad that him and Garrett Groshek are back. They are bringing this chemistry and the same guys back, hopefully to develop these players um, so that they can get better. Obviously, they want to do better than four and six in the regular season, but they did win in the playoffs. You know, they they, they did finish in a sense four, uh, five and seven. I feel like Gary Groshek's basically a tight end. He he's not. It's, he's like a fullback, bro. But he the, he is like a third down running back. I really like watching him play. He'll run like he'll run like a Brock Wright. You know why I like watching him play? Because he just reminds me of Mike Allstott, like a B grade Mike Allstott, like in the USFL. That's why I like him. That's why I've liked him since season one. Um, but some more re-signings before I get into some like panel questions for Brandon and Rush here. Um, the Pittsburgh Maulers also re-signed a critical piece of their offense, tight end Matt Seibert. Wasn't really a massive part of their pass attack last year, but a really good blocking tight end. I'm not going to lie to you there. Like He actually did step up against Adam Rodriguez and the Stars. They, he did step up against some of those northern defenses, which in my personal opinion are more stout than the southern defenses. I don't know what he's going to do against Against um, Rodriguez, Adam Rodriguez. Adam Rodriguez, Rodriguez was a beast for sure. He made All USFL for sure, and, and we also need to talk about the All USFL uh, top fifty list, which is coming out. And they've been dro- they've been dropping names periodically, and I'll do an episode on that with whoever wants to join when that's completed. Um, but no, I, I think Matt Seibert is a, an above average tight end, probably like like after last year, probably like the fifth best tight end out of the eight out of the eight teams in the league. Not not because of his like lackluster passing ability, but I think he was better than like Daniel Helm at blocking, and Daniel Helm is now on the Lions. But I, I think obviously the scouts know more than I do. But based on what I saw, that like I just feel like for the Maulers, like that's a good piece for them to have back. Yeah. Um, and then the championship team, whenever they make a re-signing or a signing, you pay attention because this is the best full sound club in the league. Uh, back-to-back championships, they're looking to three-peat. Uh, Jamar Smith, he's returning for a third season. Marlon Williams returning for a third season. Um, and now they've re-signed a really big piece of their defense. Safety, Christian McFarland, a really hard-hitting safety. Good young player that has the upside. Would really appreciate him um, having, a, like a, honestly, a, like a breakout year. You know, high amounts of picks. You know, maybe a couple pass breakups and some safety, like, off-the-edge sacks. I'd appreciate more of that out of him, but, like... Overall, the past two years, he's been a really consistent piece of that defense, and I'm glad that they brought him back. Caden, I know you've, you've watched mm. him play a couple times here and there. What, what are your thoughts on Christian McFarland? He was balling out in the, uh, in the in the fucking, what is it, the championship? No, yeah. I was about to say the Super Bowl. Their Super Bowl, in yeah, a sense. basically. But um, still a championship in football. Yeah. But uh, I don't say, every single time the, 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 the Stallions would play, it's kind of like the, the same thing you would see. I'm not comparing them. To how good the the Patriots were, but it was it was always kind of I feel it was kind of kind of overshadowed by the offense's crazy productivity and explosiveness. But you don't really give credit to the how sound that defense is, how good that defense is. And Christian uh, Christian McFarland was one of those amazing pieces, just an absolute ball hawk, a zone hawk over the top. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many touchdowns he got on him, but definitely not, not much. Over five. Not over five. Not yeah. much. Uh, that defense, like you said, was kind of full sound. It was it, it, you could not on field compare them to the Patriots, but how they were no, run. No, 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 I'm just, I'm just saying. Um, like, no, I agree with that like statement situation. though. You you can't compare the these teams in like in talent like perspective, but with how they're run, 
it's very similar, very seriously run, very like professionally like run from top to bottom. Everyone has a purpose and an objective and they make that very clear and that really does start with coaching. And I mean, we talked about Zachary Potter, their GM, graduated high school at 16, got his AA at 18, graduated university, I think, at like 22. He's the youngest GM in professional football, and he's two for two in championships. He's putting together championship squads year after year. Mm-hmm. Shout out to him. Like, gee shit, like he has a crazy story that I'd love to have him, have him, I'd love to have him on the podcast one time or something like that. But um, the last free agent signing um, to talk about is a new guy brought in by the New Jersey Generals, who are making a little bit of a splash this offseason, re-signing a lot of their defense, um, and also kind of maintaining that offense. Darius Victor was brought back on a two-year deal, um, which is kind of huge for the league. Yeah. Uh, that's the first multi-year deal I've heard of. Um, and honestly, I, I'm glad that Darius Victor kind of was like, yeah, let, let's do it, you know, because... Mm-hmm. You know, he that's made the, Darius Big Booty He, Victor, he made bro. preseason rosters. He played for the Saints in preseason, but he's just, you know, I think he realizes, like, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be rude when I say this, but like, he's not going to get there. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? He's not going to get to that next level. When, even though as a massive fan as like I am yeah, with him, I, I, I would love say, to see him. If you know, he was, he had all those fumbles towards the end of the year, so he, it did seem like he was on a kind of a little bit of a decline. But he had bro, three fumbles well, in one game, which like, was rough to see. What he was saying, like on Twitter, he was like, "One v one, put me versus anyone in the gap, give me a fighting chance." I was like, "Like low key." No, like high key. Hi, like, this man is a muscle hamster. Like, he will knock you I'm down. Not, I'm not saying he's a fucking amazing, most amazing running back in the world, but once you want in a gap, dude, this guy's inches are how fat. This guy's a fucking... 29-inch thighs. 29-inch thighs? <laughs> I bet that boy squat, like, a bunch. He's 5'8", he's bro. He's 5'8". Yeah, he's a fucking muscle he is, he is all muscle and so fun to watch. So, so he has that aspect of always has the fighter's chance just because of how the old puncher's chance because of how uh, how strong he really is we always said that in his arsenal but when it comes to just that just consistency the, the speed the fundamentals as well yeah like you, you have to hold on to the football you have to hold on to the football if you fumble like once you, know, you fumble twice in the game you fucking learn from that shit you don't fumble three times in one game well, even, once even on the sideline, when he after, because the first one was not his fault, but then the second one was like, I fucking suck at football. On the sideline, but right in front of the camera, he's like, I, I fucking suck at football. Like, that was bad, bro. Like, the whole game, he's holding the ball, like, up here, and it was just, it was he's not a good look. It and just fucking... Yeah, it just was not a good out-in for Darius Victor. Did wind up getting two touchdowns, but it just, was, he lost them that game. Yeah. Like, he lost them that game safely, you can say that. But I didn't get into that signing by the Generals wide receiver Fabian uh, Guerrero. Out of Fairmont State, uh, very fast, very fast. I was watching some of his tape. Uh, a very interesting prospect, and honestly, if they're able to, you know, pair that with DeAndre Johnson, if he's finally able to utilize his passing ability, because he has a massive arm, but he just needs to be a pass-first quarterback to be able to like actually utilize some of these weapons they have on the outside. Because they had a very one-dimensional offense last year. They, they had the best rush attack for two seasons in a row now, but like they just don't, they, they just didn't calculate into wins. They were three and seven last year. That's really not good. And then final four weeks, they were balling out, like went losing like 31 to 28 point contests. And it just wasn't enough because they, they really needed a full sound like quarterback that was going to like protect the ball, run out run out the clock. And honestly, a little bit of that did fall on one of my favorite coaches, honestly, of all time, Mike Riley. Mm-hmm. Bad coaching calls. Like, and honestly, in week nine, he just gave up. Yeah. Like there was a, there was a portion in the, like the final four minutes and 
instead of going for it on fourth and two, like, when they needed to, like, I think he just punted away, and I was just like, damn, bro, like, you're just folding the season like that? You, the, the, that division is tight. Anyone that won four games had a chance to go to the playoffs, like, but it, that, that was just a weird year for them, especially after going 9-1 and one in the first season. Like, that's strange. It's a big drop-off. Um, but one thing to, I guess, really discuss here before we get into the panel breakdown, um, Rush, I did want to ask you, you know, I know you haven't been, you know, kind of following the offseason of the USFL, obviously, but from some of the games that you were able to watch last year, I know you watched some, um, what, what are your thoughts on, I guess, from then to now? I guess, what, what have you seen, like, growth-wise? What have you noticed as kind of like an outside, you know, fan or audience guy? You know what I'm saying? Uh, personally, I'd say that in a little bit of a way, I think the word has spread on USFL to a bit more people. I think some people are probably taking a bit more of a look towards it now because last year not really many, not really many people were, you know. Like for example, the I believe it was the Bandits, they closed down and relocated to Memphis. Mhm. And then I don't think at that time, a lot of people were even following that. At, like in the any first of season, that. no, yeah. yeah, it was rough for at least Tampa, the least social media like followed team. Yeah, um, that's why they relocated and mm-hmm. did immediately like a one eighty Memphis. Like there was people nearly packing out their stadium. Like yeah. not well, not packing out Memphis Liberty, uh, Simone Liberty Bank Stadium, but they like did play this season, correct? Memphis, yes, yeah, oh yeah, okay. no, they like those were like the blue and white with like the the showboat. Like oh, the okay. tugboat with the turbo on it. I remember. Yes, yeah. you showed me that. Remember Cole Kelly? Yes. The big, yeah, the big fuck. Yeah, the okay, big quarterback. Yes. We were just like, that's Big Ben out there, but like mm-hmm. the Dollar General version. Yeah. And um, but I know you were kind of like when we were watching one of the teams you were drawn to a little bit was the New Orleans Breakers. Yes. Um, based on uniform, which they, in my opinion, have one of the cleaner uniforms in the league. That blue really works, and not many, not not much of the time. Like I noticed, like that kind of blue works with professional teams. Obviously, if you're a football team, like soccer, any color works, honestly. But um, one thing I did want to say about the Breakers, they only had one player brought up to the NFL so far. Neville Clark, a defensive back slash safety, um, signed a couple weeks ago to the Steelers. But just a weird, because they had a lot of really good players. Their mm-hmm. offense was top three in the league last year, and only one signing to the NFL. Any thoughts on that? I feel like some of the players, even though they fit well in the USFL system, I feel like it's, it's another one of those things where they were lacking some of the more NFL fundamentals and what they're looking at. Like if you're if you're coming out of one of those spring leagues, I feel like they're looking at more of a, a younger player. And you know, it seems to me that the the Breakers had more of a, a, a I wouldn't say um, senior roster. But in all of the the main the main uh, roster spots that get signed, you know the quarterbacks not not quarterbacks but running backs, corners, safeties, uh, linebackers, D tackles. I'm just a little shocked I feel about like they were a little bit older. the guy that I'm shocked about more than any besides Johnny Dixon and Jonathan Adams, both the wide receivers, which I'm sure you remember West probably Hills. not by name. Wes Hills is older. Yeah, He's an older running back that played in the CFL for a while with McLeod Bethel Thompson, who is not on the roster right now. And I imagine it was the last season of football we got to see. The man played 20, 21 or 22 fo- professional football games in less than 365 days, which is pretty fucking awesome to talk about. Last yeah. guy to do that was Steve Young. So, But he was a little older, so 
not much of a chance for him to get into the NFL. Maybe as a backup, but even then, that was a stretch. But the guy I was I'm shocked about the most was tight end Sage Surratt. Sure-handed, uh, probably the you know all around the best tight end in the league last year. If you look at the numbers, and I'm just shocked. I mean, Jay Sternberger for sure. He's provenly been you know signed to the Bills. He's been kind of balling out in practice. Some good videos coming out of there, but um, I'm just shocked about Sage Surratt. But I guess, you know, getting back to that original question, Rush, um, you were talking about how more people have kind of, you know, the word's out more now, Mm -hmm. you know? We're now seeing GMs and players in the NFL talk about these alternative leagues. Um, As a a guy going into, I I don't know if you're going to be paying attention much for season three coming up. You might, might, and it's kind of springtime, summertime ball, kind of nothing else is on. You know, you get the tail end of NBA, but if you're not into basketball, you like football, this is the perfect thing to watch, but um, what are you hoping that this league is able to accomplish going into season three? I hope that personally it gets up at some point. Not saying that it will this season. It's probably going to most likely take a lot of time, but I hope that it actually gets somewhat into like an equal or almost of equal status towards NFL. Like, I'm hoping that some of the players actually can develop in that league to where they're actually able to alternate from kind of like... Kind of like uh, PFL and and UFC. And Bellator and UFC. Yeah, where they can, like, kind of just trade off players. Well, fun fun thing that it's not occurring this offseason, but next offseason they actually have talked about player loans. So guys that are going to get cut off that ro- like the final roster or guys that are undrafted free agents out of the draft can now have their rights given to the USFL and then they can be sent up to their respective teams. So whatever the local, because it's actually broken down pretty awesome. So Houston, the Gamblers have a scout like base um, that like, scouts four NFL teams in their area. So like the Panthers, Atlanta, uh, obviously Dallas, but um, I think Jacksonville as well. And they'll like scout, you know, guys that they're, they might be able to acquire, you know, after, you know, obviously OTAs and the final roster cut, which is coming up. Oh, actually, I think, I think it's like next week uh, after the final roster cut. Yeah, I think after the final preseason game this weekend. Um, but that's going to be interesting. You were talking about, like, I think you were kind of referring to bringing and making the talent, you know, better overall. Yeah. Because... Like you said, I mean, you want to kind of get it to that same like quality of the NFL, which I think production-wise, it's going to be hard for that league to do it because they're averaging, you know, maybe a little less than a million viewers a game. I, I feel like the, the most, I feel like one of the more reliable goals would be like um, becoming like a reliable farm team, like a farm source for the NFL. Well, it could be like the G League to like the NBA, yeah. G League to the NBA, you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Or, and that's successful or, in my opinion. Shit. From from nothing from a league that was dead. USL you know? to MLS, like, exactly. It's not that much worse. You know no, I mean? it's and it doesn't. I don't. I it's think worse, but it's not. That it's worse. worse. I don't think that's an argument. Like it's it'll not. never be as good as a a league that's been around God well, damn near a yeah. hundred years. Yes. Yeah. But um, you can you can definitely become a reliant like partner of that league and kind of bounce off each other in a sense. Because I think that after this after this. After this USFL season, after this you know year of spring football, we can safely say that, in my opinion, the USFL is better than the XFL. I've seen more impact come from USFL players this preseason and in these mini camps 
Um, I've seen way more buzz about the players. Mm. A couple XFL guys have made some really nice plays and got yeah, signed. I saw that one, that one wide receiver yeah. had that nasty catch. I, I'm not going to take that away from those guys by any means, but I've Hell just seen no. more of that come out of the USFL. Mm. And, and that's just me personally. Um, but also, I think you can just go and do the research yourself. I mean, there's been more multi-million dollar contracts given out to USFL players than XFL. There's been already more USFL players signed than the XFL, and the XFL season ended sooner. So, I mean, 51 players signed to the NFL after season one. I think they just passed 44 with Deshaun White. So, I, they're almost at that number again, and the uh, XFL is only at like 33. So, let's get real. Let's get honest. I, I don't want there to even be a conversation of a contest between these two leagues because one is clearly talent-wise better. And it even came out of a quarterback's mouth from that played in both leagues in one year, Kyle Slaughter. And I'm going to believe that. Uh, that interview was pretty damning. But, Brandon, I did want to get to you before we wrap this episode up. What have you seen from the USFL and their offseason? Anything that stands out to you? Anything you want to see coming into their third season? And anything that you kind of just want to say about the USFL in general as a football fan? Um, I'll start with just as a football fan, the USFL definitely didn't let me down at all. And we've talked about this so many times, whether it was the, the Stars and the Generals game last year yeah. or um, just many, many other moments where I was just like, wow, this is actually like really intriguing, entertaining to watch, regardless of where I stand with any of the teams, players, whatnot, like just as a objective fan of football, just trying to get something in the spring, you know, when we're yeah. waiting for the NFL to come back. But it kind of exceeded my expectations in a way, honestly. And... You know, we, we keep seeing it with all these free agent signings um, coming back to the USFL or going into the NFL. It's just, it's a win-win all around. Um, what I want to see the most is just the, the ratings continue to go up yeah. for the USFL because that's the only way that this lead will get the recognition and the credit it deserves, honestly, is just from people tuning in and checking it out and just realizing, like, look, we got to be able to distinguish this as something different from the NFL. You know, because you're still going to have your moments where you're like, wow, just scratching your head like, that was just fucking awful. Like, why is this dude on a football field, you know? But that's that's what it's for. You have your people that are just trying to, one, either make a living for themselves again in the, in the world of football, or two, they're just doing it because they can. They want to have some fun and stay in shape, you know? And that's, it's beautiful both ways, no matter how you look at it, you know? So overall, like I said, it's just a really great thing to have, and... It's good to see the trajectory that is going on compared to the XFL because we all sort of feel the same way about the XFL and how <laughs> shitty it is, you know? <laughs> um, so I think so, too, it's, yeah. It's good to see this not following the same trajectory, for sure. I appreciate that. And everyone out there, make sure you're following all of our social media platforms uh, at Tea Time Reports on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and uh, Threads. We're very adamant and prevalent on uh, USFL coverage and there's definitely, obviously, a shit ton of um, episodes to listen to and tune in from. Our uh, USFL Week 1 recap actually did very well, so shout-out to everyone that's been tuning into these episodes since then, um, and we'll have plenty more to come. And shout-out to all the guys that made NFL rosters. Shout-out to all the guys that got signed to USFL uh, clubs, and um, just shout-out to the USFL for doing what it's doing, and hopefully, like Brandon said, it just gets better with the ratings, more people are able to tune in. And also what Rush said, hopefully the talent's able to just keep coming in, keep acquiring that talent, keep bringing in that the same familiar faces to attain chemistry and build legacy names for the league because we're going to need that, especially going into year three, and I'm glad Darius Victor 
can be one of those faces. And I hope Case Cookus is as well. Shout out to the chef. Um, and uh, thank you guys for tuning into this chef episode. Cookies. And thank you, uh, gentlemen, for uh, doing doing this USFL offseason coverage. And make sure you're tuning in for more, everyone. Peace.